Welcome, friends, to this brand new edition of A Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry with Pastor Brad Abley. We're delighted that you've joined us today, and we've already been praying for you, that you would meet the Lord in a fresh, new way. We've also been praying that you would be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus by the power of His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, let's resume our Know Your Faith series as we go through the entire Gospel of Luke, patiently, slowly, and verse by verse. Here's Pastor Brad. Well, very warm greetings, my friends. This is Pastor Brad Abley with the Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the Word of God and to stir within all of us a greater heart after God. We are in our wonderful series in the Gospel of Luke as we go through the entire Gospel of Luke uh, verse by verse in what is called the Know Your Faith series. My prayerful uh, desire and goal before the Lord is to help the church throughout the world to know her faith. What a what a horrible thing that it that it is that a Christian who has been given everything by Jesus could not know his or her faith. And that's what we're trying to accomplish in these messages in this series is to help you to know your faith, to be confident in your faith, to walk out your faith, and to be equipped to minister to others what you and I are learning. And so today's broadcast is part 29 of our study in Luke, and it comes from Luke chapter 17, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 17 and um, up to verse 26, and the focus is on the healing of the paralytic, the healing of the paralytic. Why did Jesus do this? What is the importance of this of this that Jesus did so important that Matthew records it, Luke records it, and Mark records it. Well, before we get into the word, let's pray first and depend upon the Holy Spirit. Now, Father, we ask that you would be glorified in this message. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would glorify the Son as well, that you uh, would deepen all of us in our faith, that you would build your church and that you would save souls and heal bodies, and that we pray, Father, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Holy Spirit, our teacher, we ask that you would lead us and guide us into your truth and change us and transform us to become more like our Savior. And we ask these things in his name. Amen and amen. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. One day he was teaching, uh, speaking of Jesus, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there. And this is interesting. Luke says, who had come from every village of Galilee. There are 240 villages in Galilee and Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present for him 
to perform healing. So again, he's teaching whatever it was that he was teaching probably had something to do with, well, it would have, it would have been a, a teaching that was calling people to repentance and faith in him, but it also must have had something to do with his willingness to heal. So again, the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. Verse 18, and some men were carrying on a bed or a stretcher a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to get in, they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of him, that is in front of Jesus. Verse 19, but not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Well, the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 22, but Jesus, aware or perceiving their reasonings, answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins have been forgiven you? or to say, get up and walk. But verse 24, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up and pick up your stretcher and go home. Immediately, he got up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. Verse 26, they were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. And they were filled with fear, saying, we have seen remarkable things today. Wow. The healing of the paralytic. Now, in Mark's account, in Mark chapter 2, verse 1, he tells us that this event was most likely in Peter's home. It would have been, clearly it would have been a very large home since this is the only way that so many people would have been able to fit into the home uh, to listen to Jesus teach. Well, it, it it's understandable because Peter's fishing business was very successful and therefore he would have been well off financially. Luke tells us, that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. What does this mean? Well, it means that by this time, the level of concern among the religious leaders about Jesus had risen dramatically, and they realized he was now a major threat to their power, to their status, and uh, as, as the leaders, the religious leaders of Israel. Well, one commentator uh, says this about, 
about this whole thing. He says, whereas Mark introduces the scribes, that is the teachers of the law, almost casually um, in the narrative, Luke centers attention on them immediately, even specifying that they had come from as far away as Jerusalem. Now, by doing this, he lays stress on the crucial nature of the religious issues to be raised. Now, the effort made to lower the paralytic through the roof of the home was, it was substantial and dramatic, as we might expect. We can almost see it happening. The men would have had to have dug through the roof, which would probably have taken 30 minutes to an hour. Can you imagine the noise that was going on up above Jesus and all the people looking up and wondering what was going on? Clearly, the man's, the paralytic man's friends had exceptional faith. They had exceptional faith in Jesus. Otherwise, they never would have taken all the trouble to do this. And so what is what do we see Jesus saying? He says, uh, let me go back to it. He said to them, um, let's see, let me find the verse. Seeing their faith, Jesus saw their faith. And that tells me that, that tells me it's likely that the paralyzed man had faith and that his friends had faith for his healing. And Jesus responded favorably to them. That's something important there for us to understand the importance of trusting God, believing God. Now, there's another thing that we also don't want to miss here. No doubt that these men had great love for their friend. The fact that they, they loved him so much that they would all carry him. Maybe they carried him from a long distance. We don't know. But in any case, they carried this man because they believed Jesus would heal him. And... Um, that demonstrates concern for him more than themselves. And, you know, friends, we might ask ourselves, how many of us would go to such lengths to get a paralyzed friend in front of Jesus or a unsaved friend to a meeting, to a church service or anybody? How many of us even make a sustained effort to pray for fellow believers in need? Do their needs and their requests bother us? Or do we have a heart for others? Do we consider others as more important than ourselves? Now imagine, just imagine the astonishment of the people in the home as they heard the commotion above and witnessed the roof being torn apart. Think about all the dust and the materials falling down upon them and around them. And and incidentally, many homes in, in Israel at that time had stairs on the outside leading from the outside up to the roof. And that's what would have enabled the paralytic's friends to get them up there. But what was even more astonishing is that instead of first healing his body, we've seen that Jesus forgave his sin. 
Now, since there can be no forgiveness without repentance, this man must have given Jesus some sort of indication of his repentance. And of course, Jesus addressed first the most significant issue of the man's need for salvation. Never forget this, that the greatest miracle of all is not the healing of the paralyzed or the, uh, or the healing of the blind or the raising of the dead. It is the salvation of an individual coming to faith in Jesus. That's the greatest miracle that there ever, there ever can be. And this was part and parcel of the gospel message that Jesus preached, along with his emphasis on the kingdom of God, which no one could enter apart from being born again. We read that in John chapter 3. Now, something else is important. It was a firm belief that if someone was suffering, it was because he sinned. It was due to his own sin, despite the plain teaching of the entire book of Job. Job was suffering immensely, and even his friends accused him and said, basically, Job, there must be some sort of sin in your life. Otherwise, these things wouldn't be happening. And we know that wasn't the case. We know that God allowed Satan to bring this suffering on Job. Jesus addressed this issue in Luke 9, uh, verses 1 through 3, about the man born blind. And even his own disciples said, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? There was even this superstitious thought that prevailed that someone could sin even before being born. Now, that's an unbiblical thought, but, you know, every culture has unbiblical thoughts. In Luke 13, people asked why, they asked Jesus, why did the tower in Siloam fall upon people and kill them? And Jesus said, are they worse sinners than others? No, but I tell you, unless you repent, you will also all likewise perish. Paul had the thorn in the flesh. It wasn't because of his sin, but it was because God allowed Satan to buffet him so that Paul would not exalt himself because of the visions that he had. So therefore, virtually everyone would have believed the paralytic deserved his fate due to some manner of serious sin. Now, I'm not saying that sin doesn't result in sickness. It does. You can see that in Acts chapter 5, where Ananias and Sapphira lost their lives. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 30, where Paul said, because some of you won't repent, some of you are sick, and some have died. You can read about this in Numbers 12, and in 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles chapter 26. But one must be extremely careful in thinking that he or she can determine the cause of sickness. There have been many believers uh, since the beginning of the church that have, have basically thought, maybe they don't say anything, but they've thought, or maybe they have said, there must be sin in your life. That's why you're suffering. My friend, you ought to be very, very careful. Instead of accusing, just simply ask the person, listen, is there anything that you can think of that you could have opened the door for why you're sick? 
Don't accuse, but just ask, because we want to get to the root of the matter. Well, one commentator uh, points out a vital thing for us to consider here, and that is this. He says, this is why Jesus began telling the man that his sins were forgiven. Without that, the man would never have believed that he could have been cured. This shows how in debate the scribes and the Pharisees were completely routed. You see, they objected to Jesus claiming to extend forgiveness to the man. But on their own arguments and assumptions, the man was ill, he was paralyzed because he had sinned. And if he was cured, that was proof his sins were forgiven. And so that complaint of the, of the Pharisees and the scribes fell back on them and it left them speechless. What an amazing thing. You know, one of the other things that Jesus is doing by healing the paralytic is he is declaring that he is, he is the Messiah and that he is God because only God could heal someone like this in this situation that was paralyzed. As a matter of fact, uh, sometime earlier, John the Baptist began having questions about whether Jesus really was the Messiah. And, and John sent people to ask him. And Jesus answered, this is in Luke chapter 7, verse 22. He answered and said to them, go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, which is what was expected of the Messiah, the lame walk, that is those either who lost their ability to walk or had never been able to walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Well, this is not an exhaustive category, but basically, Jesus is saying uh, to John and to his representatives, it was expected of the Messiah to be able to do the miraculous, and he was doing the miraculous. This is a proof. It's a demonstration, unmistakable demonstration that the Messiah is in their midst. Wow. Now, Let's let's move on and continue continuing from his preaching and Jesus emphasis forgiveness has remained and it must always remain the distinctive message of Christian proclamation that is at the core of the Christian faith that God forgives sin and since forgiveness was God's domain alone it's no wonder that Jesus' declaration of forgiveness for this man greatly stirred up the scribes and the Pharisees. And indeed, by claiming the authority to forgive sins, Jesus was either God or a blasphemer, as, as the Pharisees and the scribes accused him of. There was, and my friend, there is no middle ground. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote, in I think it was Mere Christianity that that said he said this he, Jesus was either a, a liar 
uh, or a lunatic or Lord. Don't call him a good teacher. He's not left that option for us. He is either who he say says he is or he's not. And if he's not, then he was a liar. And nothing about Jesus' life and ministry hints of lying or lunacy whatsoever. And so that leaves us ultimately only one choice, that he is who he says he is. He is Lord of all. But my friend, is he your Lord? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and been forgiven of your sins and given a brand new life and and the assurance of eternal life? I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this message to receive forgiveness of sins from him, to have him cover your sins, to give you a, a brand new life. Now, in Jewish law, if one was convicted of blasphemy, he could be stoned to death. And Jesus knew this. He knew the danger of the moment, and so did everyone present. Another commentator, John MacArthur, is correct when he points this out, that blasphemy was the most heinous or serious crime in Jewish thought, since it was a direct affront or challenge to the person of God. But the ultimate form of blasphemy was to assume the rights and the prerogatives, the domain, the authority of God, to usurp that role, to undermine it, to usurp or or undermine the role of God and act as if one were God. But that's exactly what Jesus did because he is God, God the Son. And of course, he demonstrated his deity through this unheard of miracle of healing the paralytic. What an amazing sight that was. Now, important background information of this time will give us great insight into what we've just read. Rabbinical teaching, that is teaching of the rabbis of Jesus' time and even before his time, uh, held that recovery would not be granted to the sick unless his sins had first been forgiven him. Ah, now we see another reason for why Jesus first forgave him of his sin. But he didn't forgive him of his sin because he wouldn't repent. He forgave him because he he was repentant. Now, had the forgiveness and healing been switched, there would have been evidence of Jesus' power, but not of his deity. But the forgiveness of sin was his primary mission. His miracles were secondary, and that's always been the case. It always will be the case. And so, my friends, if if you have been guilty of focusing more on uh, the miraculous rather than on the preaching of the gospel of repentance, repent and change your ways and do what is right. Preach forgiveness first and then pray for the sick. Make that your primary mission because it was Jesus' mission. You see, too many charismatics and Pentecostals today reverse that order. They make claims to the miraculous and advertise their meetings as signs and wonders and the fire of God. And in those meetings, I wonder, is forgiveness of sin front and center? Or are they trying to impress people, draw a crowd, 
Well, Jesus referenced as the Son of Man in verse 24 appears here in Luke for the first time. And in fact, this expression will appear more than 80 times in the gospel and is used only by Jesus with the singular exception of Stephen in Acts chapter 7, verse 56. It was Jesus' favorite self-designation. Another commentator notes that in the Old Testament, the expression Son of Man usually indicates the insignificance and frailty of man in contrast with the greatness and the awesome power of God. And so the use of the phrase by Jesus to indicate himself therefore emphasizes his real humanity. To indicate himself as the Son of Man emphasizes his real humanity, especially as he used it, particularly when referring to his sufferings and death. Well, my friends, I see my time is running short. I want to spend some time praying uh, for people that are listening, and we'll we'll resume uh, this important passage next week. I mentioned earlier that if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity right now to receive him as your Lord and Savior by a simple prayer, uncomplicated prayer. And if you'll pray with me with a sincere heart, Jesus will forgive you and become your Lord and Savior. So pray with me these words, Lord Jesus Christ. Pray with me, Lord Jesus Christ. I surrender my life to you now. Lord, come and live your life in me. And I will live for you and I will serve you all the days of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of unrighteousness. Grant me your free gift of eternal life. And I will walk with you from here on and forevermore. Thank you, Jesus, that you have heard my prayer. And thank you, Jesus, that you are now my Lord and my Savior. Now, if you prayed that prayer, men, women, or children, let me let me welcome you into the family and the kingdom of God. And Father, I pray that you would protect them from the powers of darkness all the days of their lives and help them to stand firm in the face of persecution. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And I want to pray for uh, physical needs out there. The same Jesus that healed the paralytic will heal you of cancer. He will heal your eyesight. He will heal your feet and your knees. He will set you free from malaria. Uh, He will do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we can ask or imagine because he is the risen Lord. He is the great physician. And I want to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, would you bring healing, your healing power to those that are listening to this message. Would you do as you said you would, stretch forth your hand to perform signs and wonders for those who are needy. And would you be glorified? You alone are the healer. And Father, there are also other needs, financial needs, people that are in desperate situations and need your provision financially. Would you meet 
their needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus and be glorified from it. And then, Father, I pray finally, we pray finally that from this message that you would gain for yourself great and magnificent fruit presently and eternally. And may the church that you gave your life for, Lord Jesus, flourish because of the truth of your word. I ask these things, we ask these things in your mighty name. Amen and amen. Until next week, this is Pastor Brad Abley. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for this outstanding message and time of ministry. Friends, Pastor Brad and his wife Maureen need a prayer team. Would you kindly consider praying for them on a daily basis? Thank you for your partnership. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please tell others about it. If you would like to partner with him financially, please go to his website at bradabley.com. You can also check out his two devotionals and his commentaries on amazon.com. Until next time, we pray that our Lord stir you daily to have a greater heart after him in every way.